Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussion of drug use and suicide that some listeners may find offensive. In February of 2011, Russian police burst into Grigory Rodchenkov's home in Moscow and confiscated everything they could. Rodchenkov was about to be arrested for the trafficking of illegal narcotics. But Rodchenkov wasn't a drug kingpin or organized crime figure of any kind. He was a doctor. He ran a laboratory that tested athletes for performance-enhancing drugs the only laboratory in Russia that was accredited and recognized by the World Anti-Doping Agency. He was considered one of the foremost experts on steroid use in the world, and he was now an enemy of the Russian Federation. Rodchenkov was about to lose everything, his reputation, his laboratory, and his freedom. As he drowned his sorrows in whiskey, he thought about what he'd face in the hands of the Russian government. He knew that it was a fate worse than death. So Rodchenkov took a knife from the kitchen and slogged drunkenly upstairs, whiskey bottle in hand. He went into the bathroom and locked the door behind him to prevent his wife from stopping him. Rodchenkov ran a bath, stripped down, and stepped into the water. He took one last swig of whiskey, and then he plunged the knife into his chest. Welcome to Sports Criminals, a ParCast original. Every week, we dive into the dark side of sports history and look at athletes who not only broke the law, but broke the rules and covenants of their sport. We'll also uncover how their actions impacted the history of the sport they played. I'm Tim Johnson. And I'm Carter Roy. You can find episodes of Sports Criminals and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Sports Criminals for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Sports Criminals in the search bar. Today, we're discussing the Russian doping scandal, a state-sponsored steroid program fueled by corruption and espionage. This week, we'll cover the formation of the program and how it led to unprecedented Olympic success. Next week, we'll learn how the program was exposed and taken down. We've got all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. 
Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. The use of performance-enhancing drugs, also known as doping, is a way for athletes to unnaturally train harder, build muscle mass faster, and recover from injury easier. It's also dangerous. Due to serious health concerns and side effects related to the use of steroids, in 1968, the International Olympic Committee began testing for steroids and disqualifying drug users. The rules and testing expanded broadly over the course of the next five decades. But Russia thought it was important for them to win on the international stage to prove the might of the Soviets to the rest of the world. So its officials didn't always play by the rules. As early as the Moscow Games in 1980, there were coordinated efforts within the Soviet Union, supported by their secret police, the KGB, to cheat the Olympic Games. These early doping efforts were run by Sergei Portogolov, doctor for the Soviet national team. Portogolov was the main supplier and coordinator. He created doping protocols for each and every athlete. And in 1991, when the Soviet Union became the newly formed Russian Federation, Portogolov became the chief of the Medical Commission. He held more power than almost every other individual in Russian sport, and he relished in it. In 1994, Russia competed as an independent nation for the first time at the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer, Norway. It was a coming-out party for the country and a chance to put themselves back in the global conversation. In order to do that, they needed athletic achievement, so Sergei Portogolov did his best to supply it through unnatural means. Russia won 11 gold medals, the most out of any country. It was an astonishing success for Portogolov and the nation, one that they hoped to repeat. But by the late 1990s, the International Olympic Committee began taking the problem of steroids and doping more seriously. In 1999, the committee established the World Anti-Doping Agency, known as WADA, to coordinate global testing and keep the Olympic Games as clean as possible. Russia and Vladimir Putin bristled at the new regulations. In 2002, two Russian skiers were stripped of their medals and disqualified after testing positive for banned substances. In retaliation, the Russian national team threatened to quit the games that year altogether, but cooler heads prevailed, Russia didn't follow through on their threat, and they still walked away with 16 medals overall, good for fifth in the world. Russia had made sure their reputation as athletic competitors survived the fall of the Soviet Union. But now, Vladimir Putin wanted more. He wanted to be back on top in medals and exposure. And to do that, he needed the games to be on his home turf. So Putin, an avid skier himself, personally spearheaded a campaign for the wealthy resort town of Sochi to host in 2014 but he faced some tough competition. South Korea had already submitted the city of Pyeongchang and were considered the favorites. They'd come in second to Vancouver in the vote for the 2010 Winter Olympics and believed their turn had arrived. Austria submitted the town of Salzburg in the German Alps and was considered the safe choice. The country had already hosted the Winter Olympics twice before and would be well prepared to do it again. Sochi was the underdog of the competition. 
The vote was planned for July 4, 2007 in Guatemala City, Guatemala. In the days prior, Putin flew into the city to make a personal appeal to the members of the International Olympic Committee. Publicly, Putin argued that not only was Sochi the best choice to host the event, but that Russia deserved the honor. He spoke eloquently about the history of Russian athletic excellence in the Winter Games, as well as the importance the Olympics had for the country and the Russian people. But privately, the Olympics were not just a sports competition for Vladimir Putin and Russia. They were a show of power on the world stage. After making his arguments, Putin flew back to Russia and joined residents of Sochi as they anxiously awaited news. But he had more than just pride on the line. Losing the vote would make him look weak to his own people and potentially politically vulnerable. So Putin hired an alleged Russian heroin kingpin to bribe Olympics officials to secure their votes. The first round of voting ended with no winner. Pyeongchang stood in first with 36 first place votes, followed by Sochi with 34 and Salzburg with 25. Salzburg was eliminated. The second and final round would see Sochi and Pyeongchang in a face-off. A few hours later, after the final round, International Olympic Committee President Jacques Roga stood on a stage and announced the host country of the 2014 Winter Olympics, Russia. The people of Sochi exploded in celebration. Fireworks went off in the night sky above them. Putin watched the celebrations with pride, but he knew the work was just beginning. It was a start, but it wasn't enough for Russia to just host the games. Russia needed to make a statement. They needed to win at all costs. And for Vladimir Putin, that meant even more doping. But it wouldn't be as easy as it had been in the past. In 2008, the International Olympic Committee cracked down harder on doping than they had ever before, disqualifying a record number of athletes before the Games. Russia led the pack with eight disqualified athletes. Along with the disqualifications, the Olympic Committee went after the supply of steroids themselves. President Jacques Roga demanded that China, the world's top steroid manufacturer, stop producing the drugs or else risk being banned as a country from the Olympic Games altogether. China complied with the orders, at least officially. Chief of the Medical Commission, Sergei Portogolov, now had a major problem as he prepared for the next Olympic Games. His primary supplier was now refusing to manufacture or sell anabolic steroids, so he had to turn to less reputable means. Portogolov started buying stockpiles of steroids from black market sources, even though he knew that these sources were questionable at best. The drugs were dirty, contaminated with other chemicals that were either harmful to the athlete or could be easily spotted by any drug test. So now Portogolov faced two major problems. First, he needed to figure out how to use these tainted steroids safely. Second, he needed to make sure his athletes tested clean. Luckily, Portogolov knew one man who could help him deal with both problems. Grigory Rodchenkov was a doctor of chemistry and the director of the Moscow Anti-Doping Center. It was the only laboratory in Russia accredited by the World Anti-Doping Agency. There, Rodchenkov was in charge of testing Russian athletes for steroids and other performance-enhancing drugs before international competitions. 
Rodchenkov was one of the most knowledgeable chemists in the world when it came to the use and detection of anabolic steroids. He was best known for inventing a test that could find out if an athlete had taken certain steroids at any point in the past six months, far longer than the previous tests. Rodchenkov was also no stranger to using the drugs himself. He'd started experimenting with doping as a young man to help him run marathons. As he got older, Rodchenkov continued occasionally testing steroids just for fun. If there was anyone who could help the Russian national team cheat on an Olympic level, it was Grigory Rodchenkov. According to Rodchenkov, Sergei Portogolov told him about the tainted drugs he'd bought for the team. Portogolov hoped that the doctor could provide advice on how to safely utilize them, but Rodchenkov told him he had to throw the dirty steroids out. There was no safe way for an athlete to take them without risking their health or disqualification. Portogolov did not like Rodchenkov's opinion. He'd already spent millions on these tainted steroids, and the last Olympics before Sochi were just around the corner. So he ignored Rodchenkov's advice and prescribed the drugs he'd bought. The 2010 Winter Olympics began on February 12th in Vancouver, Canada. Russia sent 177 athletes to the Games, competing in 15 different sports, with high expectations from their countrymen and president. Construction and planning were already underway for 2014 in Sochi, and all expected another strong showing from Russia in Vancouver. But the Games turned out to be an epic failure. Sergei Portogolov's dirty steroids were ineffective. The Russian team collapsed, finishing with only three gold medals, good for 11th overall on the leaderboard of nations. Even their hockey team, packed with professional players and heavy favorites going into the tournament, suffered an embarrassing quarterfinal defeat to the Canadian team. Adding insult to injury, multiple Russian athletes were also disqualified for performance-enhancing drug use. Vladimir Putin watched angrily as his country was humiliated on the world stage. He couldn't and wouldn't let it happen again. The reputation of the Russian Federation was on the line. Coming up, the Russian doping operation scales up for the 2014 Olympic Games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now, back to the story. 
Leading up to the 2010 Olympics, Sergei Portogalov, chief of Russia's medical commission and the man responsible for doping the national team, thought he'd figured out a way to eschew the recent regulations on steroid use. According to Rodshenkov, Portogalov had bought black market steroids and distributed them to the athletes, hopeful that Russia again would be able to dominate in medals. But instead, the Vancouver Olympics was an absolute disaster for the Russian national team, a humiliating defeat for a country who believed they were ready to be at the top of the athletic world. The head of the Russian Olympic Committee resigned in disgrace. The leaders of the national team tried to figure out how to improve as quickly as possible and appointed Vitaly Mutko, the Russian sports minister and close friend of Vladimir Putin, as the new leader of the national team. In a public statement, Mutko blamed the failures in Vancouver to a lack of sports science on the team. He acknowledged that steroids destroyed the athlete, but added that the team failed in part because Russia had become more diligent in the fight against doping. The secret message to the Russian national team from their leaders was clear. The doping wouldn't just continue, it would expand. But this time, it would not expand with Sergei Portogolov. After the games, his reputation quickly dwindled. And in Portogolov's failure, Dr. Grigory Rodchenkov, head of the Moscow Anti-Doping Laboratory, saw an opportunity. With Portogolov humiliated, Rodchenkov could step in to take his place. Rodchenkov knew one source for clean anabolic steroids that Portogolov didn't. He also knew the right method of taking them to speed up their absorption, amp up their effectiveness, and avoid detection. Create a cocktail. Rodchenkov mixed one milligram of a steroid mixture for each milliliter of alcohol. Whiskey for the male athletes, vermouth for the women, then instructed the athlete to swish the liquid under their tongues. This method ensured the steroids entered the athlete's system quickly, but shortened the detection window. He wasn't just motivated by a desire to save athletes from injecting dirty steroids or patriotic enthusiasm. Rodchenkov offered his services, both helping athletes cheat the doping test that his own lab ran and covering up positive tests. For this clandestine service, he charged athletes upwards of 30,000 rubles per test, about 1,000 US dollars. Multiply that by the over 400 athletes competing at the games, and he was making himself a small fortune. The cocktail was so effective that soon the entire Russian national team was going to Rodchenkov for their doping needs. Sergei Portogolov was furious. He couldn't believe that someone he thought was an ally would go behind his back and usurp him, and he was still sitting on an entire stockpile of dirty steroids. Portogolov needed to reclaim his position and power in the Russian sports world. And luckily for him, he still had some high-ranking friends in the Russian government. In February of 2011, Russian police raided Grigory Rodchenkov's home. They informed him that he was under investigation for drug trafficking and other narcotics crimes and tore the place apart looking for evidence. The officers informed Rodchenkov that he would be arrested the following Monday. He wouldn't be alone either. His sister Marina, a champion runner, was also facing arrest for the same charges. 
Rodchenkov knew better than to fight the authorities and allowed them to confiscate his computer and files. But after they left, Rodchenkov panicked. For reasons he didn't quite understand, Grigory Rodchenkov and his family were now targets of the Russian government, and he knew that he'd face unimaginable torture and misery in a Russian prison. That night, a despondent Rodchenkov drank a large amount of whiskey and decided there was only one permanent way out of his predicament. He took a kitchen knife and got into a bath in his house. After one last gulp of whiskey to steady his nerves, Rodchenkov stabbed himself in the chest right over the heart. But as Rodchenkov sat back and waited to die, the bathroom door burst open and his wife ran inside. Upon seeing her husband's state, she immediately called an ambulance. They arrived in time to take a barely alive Rodchenkov to the hospital. Luckily, surgeons managed to save Grigory Rodchenkov's life. But instead of being arrested by the narcotics police, the authorities deemed Rodchenkov a danger to himself, placed him in a psychiatric clinic, and kept him heavily medicated. Meanwhile, Rodchenkov's sister was arrested and charged with the buying and selling of testosterone and anabolic steroids. After two weeks in the mental health clinic, the police transferred Rodchenkov to another institution, this one specifically for severely ill and dangerous criminals. Ironically, Rodchenkov improved. He was no longer forcibly given psychotropic drugs, and he slowly returned to lucidity and health. He was also allowed access to a computer and the internet, which he used to continue advising athletes on the national team. In the spring of 2011, the International Olympic Committee was not only unaware of Rodchenkov's doping operation, but didn't even know about his arrest and institutionalization. Instead, they sent a letter officially inviting him to the 2012 Olympic Games in London as director of the Moscow Anti-Doping Center. The IOC and the World Anti-Doping Agency made it clear to the Russian government that the invitation was for Rodchenkov only. He ran the only WADA-approved lab in Russia and was the only one in the country respected enough to attend the 2012 Olympics. The Russian Ministry of Sports and its director, Vitaly Mutko, realized they needed Rodchenkov. If they sent him, he could learn how the official London labs were testing and what they were testing for, providing invaluable information to the Russian national team. Mutko told Putin that he needed Rodchenkov to ensure victory in Sochi. The narcotics charges and investigation into Rodchenkov were completely dropped. On April 26, 2011, three months after his suicide attempt, Rodchenkov was allowed to go home. But even as he returned to his job, the threat of being thrown in prison remained real. The police had refused to drop the charges against his sister, as if to keep it hanging over Rodchenkov's head at all times. Rodchenkov knew that Putin and the Russian authorities had released him for only one reason. He was going to run the national team's doping program, and he had to do it successfully or else. On the other side of the spectrum, the Olympic Committee was determined to make the 2012 Olympics in London the most aggressively anti-doping games in history. 
the Olympics organizers assembled the largest anti-doping force ever, over 1,000 staff members on call 24-7 during the Games. The World Anti-Doping Agency had also accredited a brand new laboratory at King's College in London to handle a more extensive schedule than in previous Games. Spokespeople and anti-doping experts from all over the world spoke defiantly on how the 2012 Games would be the toughest on doping in sporting history. They had no idea that one of their top scientists, one of the 115 experts that the Olympic Committee relied on to lead their anti-doping efforts, was working to do the exact opposite. In early 2012, Rodchenkov arrived in London and took a tour of their drug testing facility. He got a close look at the lab they would use to test the athletes, the specific tests they were using, and the schedules and methods they'd be operating under. What he saw was far from the tight and effective system that the World Anti-Doping Agency promised. It was a disaster. The tests were old, the equipment was outdated, and the testing procedures were badly disorganized. The lab and WADA as a whole were entirely unprepared to deal with the testing demands of the Olympic Games. In other words, for Grigory Rodchenkov and the Russian national team, it was perfect. It wouldn't be difficult to game the system at all. When he returned to Moscow, Rodchenkov perfected his steroid and alcohol cocktail using a mixture of three different anabolic steroids, which he then passed on to the Russian Ministry of Sports to administer to the athletes. Inside the ministry, the cocktail was nicknamed the Duchess. In the summer of 2012, just before the games began, Rodchenkov secretly tested the national team himself to make sure they'd test clean in London. His athletes all passed. They were ready to compete. Rodchenkov also completed new research on Torinobol, a black market steroid often used by athletes in the former Soviet Union. His lab discovered a way to detect traces of the drug in athletes up to seven weeks after injection. Rodchenkov strategically published this research just before the London Olympics. He had wanted to give himself more legitimacy in the anti-doping world, but that wasn't his only motive for the publication. His Duchess steroid cocktail no longer utilized Turinabol, but plenty of former Soviet Union states did including Kazakhstan and Belarus. With this new test, Rodchenkov made himself look as upstanding and innocent as possible while also taking down some regional rivals. The 2012 Summer Olympics began on July 27th. Grigory Rodchenkov watched from the lab at King's College, keeping a close eye on the Russian athletes' tests. The Russian Federation had 436 athletes competing in 24 different sports, and a huge amount, still unverified to this day, were part of Rodchenkov's doping program. The Russian national team performed well in London, notching 82 total medals, including 24 golds, placing them third in the world behind the United States and China. More importantly, not a single Russian athlete tested positive during the Games. The Russian government now had firm evidence that Rodchenkov's system of doping worked. It was time to expand even further. After all, the London Olympics were only a test run for the real operation, the 2014 Games on Russia's 
home turf. Up next, the games begin in Sochi. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, back to the story. Russia had dominated the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, with zero athletes testing positive for steroids, despite rampant usage. But the Sochi Olympics would be a much bigger challenge. As the host nation, they'd face greater scrutiny and much higher expectations. And Putin wouldn't be happy with another third-place finish like in London or Beijing. He wanted Russia to be number one. Grigory Rodchenkov needed to make the doping operation successful. If he didn't, Putin and the Russian government would happily destroy his career arrest him and sentence him to a penal colony, just like they had done to his sister, Marina. Traditionally, Rodchenkov's method of avoiding positive tests was to plan ahead and have the athletes stop taking the steroids at the exact right time in order to test clean. Normally, all athlete samples were collected and put into a self-locking bottle known as a bearing kit with a unique number on its cap. The lock on the bottle is so impenetrable that the bottle's cap needs to be destroyed to be opened and its contents tested. WADA and Rodchenkov believe that tampering with the bottle's contents while preserving the unique cap couldn't be done. But in the fall of 2013, a stranger walked into Rodchenkov's laboratory. He was a member of the Federal Security Service, or FSB, Russia's latest secret police. The FSB took orders directly from Putin, and at that moment, their orders were to find out a way to cheat the testing system. The officer asked for a large amount of bottles to experiment on, and Rodchenkov handed them over. Only half an hour later, he returned to the lab with an open bearing kit with the lock and cap intact. Not even Rodchenkov knew how the FSB managed to unlock the bearing kit. But now, Rodchenkov was suddenly able to dump the athlete's sample and replace it with clean, untainted urine. If any of them were picked for a random test during the games, Rodchenkov, with the help of the FSB's locksmiths, would be able to swap out their dirty samples with clean ones. The Sochi Winter Olympic Games began on February 7, 2014. In the opening ceremonies, President Vladimir Putin proudly declared the games open, and a dramatic performance highlighting the history and culture of Russia followed. The country had spent $51 billion on Olympic preparation, on infrastructure, transportation, and security. 
It was up to the Russian national team and Grigory Rodchenkov to prove to Putin that they were worth it. Rodchenkov toiled away in the lab to make sure Putin got the results he wanted. The entire operation had to be precisely orchestrated and completely foolproof. If they were exposed by WADA, by security cameras, or by doctors from other countries, they risked blowing up the entire Olympics and their country's reputation. Each night after the games, around 2 a.m., Rodchenkov received a phone call from a Russian sports ministry official. The official told him that the athlete's samples were about to arrive at his lab and told him which athletes needed to have their samples swapped to avoid a positive test. It was then up to Rodchenkov himself to make the swap happen. Rodchenkov had to be mindful of the elaborate security apparatus that WADA had set up. Not just omnipresent security cameras, but official WADA and Olympic Committee observers that kept watch during most hours of the day. So each night, after making sure that any WADA observers had gone home for the evening, Rodchenkov took off his lab coat and put on a Russian national team sweater. To those monitoring the security cameras, it seemed like he was also headed home. But instead, Rodchenkov left his office and made his way downstairs into room 124, a seemingly unimportant storage closet. Rodchenkov quietly knocked on the door and was led inside by an FSB officer. Inside was a miniature secret laboratory constructed for one purpose, cheating the lab's own doping tests. Rodchenkov then pushed aside a wooden cabinet and pulled a small plastic cap off the wall, revealing a small hole. And on the other side of the wall was the collection room where the athlete's samples were stored. And through the hole, one of Rodchenkov's assistants would hand him all the samples that needed to be swapped. Each athlete's original sample was split into two. The A samples were tested right after collection, and the B bottles were held in a vault by the IOC for 10 years, just in case suspicion arose later on. According to Rodchenkov, he and his assistant would start by swapping the samples in the unlocked A bottles while handing the locked B bottles to the FSB officer who disappeared from the room. A few hours later, he'd return with the unlocked B bottles, ready to have their contents swapped as well. Rodchenkov and his colleague would then dump the dirty samples in a toilet, dry out the bottles, and replace them with the clean samples. They used table salt, water, and coffee to even out the chemical balance and consistency of the urine, then locked the caps back on to return the bottles back to the sample collection room. The system easily worked. No Russian athlete tested positive for steroids during the Sochi Olympic Games, and the team dominated. Their 232 athletes ultimately tallied 13 gold medals and 33 overall, both leading the world. Their victories included three gold medals in figure skating, three in speed skating, and two in skiing. The Russian sports ministry celebrated. They'd accomplished exactly what they wanted to do. They put Russia back on top of the world. It was also a huge victory for Grigory Rodchenkov, as his redemption in the eyes of the Russian government was complete. 
After the games, Vladimir Putin personally awarded Rodchenkov the prestigious Order of Friendship. In addition, the International Olympic Committee and the World Anti-Doping Agency were so happy with the results that they gave Rodchenkov a commendation for his work. In their official report, WADA called Sochi a new high watermark for anti-doping efforts in the games. But the truth of Russia's success in the 2014 Olympics couldn't stay hidden forever. There were too many people who knew about the doping program, from athletes and coaches to team officials and even laboratory assistants. It was only a matter of time before someone blew the whistle. Thanks again for listening to Sports Criminals. We'll be back next week with our second episode on the Russian doping scandal. We'll hear how the entire scheme fell apart after a Russian athlete revealed the truth to the world. You can find all episodes of Sports Criminals and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Sports Criminals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Sports Criminals on Spotify, just open the app and type Sports Criminals in the search bar. We'll see you next time. Sports Criminals was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It's executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Mike Ramos, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Sports Criminals was written by Ryan Lee with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and stars Tim Johnson and Carter Roy. 